The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today and joining me for the show. Whether you're joining me live or you're getting this later on the podcast, I'm really glad you could find me on this little slice of the internet here at unityonlineradio.org. So today we're going to have a really interesting conversation about leadership. You know, we learn a lot of things in school, but nobody really teaches you how to be a good leader. And we've all seen good ones and bad ones, right? We've all worked for great managers, people that really inspired us and made us want to do more and those other people, you know, and we see some people who are natural leaders and others who have to work at it. And what does it take? What does it really take to be a good leader in business and in life? So my guest today has written a great handbook that can help us evolve into great leaders. Dr. Joe Famularo has been an educational leader for over 30 years, and he's been a teacher, director, principal, assistant superintendent, and superintendent of schools. So I know he's seen it all. I come from a family of teachers. My mother was a teacher her whole career. My sister is an assistant principal right now, so I've heard it. (laughs) I've heard all the stories. And Dr. Joe also has a doctorate in educational leadership and technology. And his book that I've been spending some time with here is IOU Life Leadership. And this is a foundational framework based on timeless universal principles for positive and effective living. So I'm happy to welcome him to the show to chat with the Unity crowd. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Diane. Great. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you could join me from uh, all the way in New York and Long Island. I I was saying before the show, we're kind of bi-coastal. I'm here in San Diego and uh, and you're in New York. So I'm glad that you could check in. So I'm really, I'm enjoying the book because I'm I'm interested in leadership. You know, I've had uh, some experiences in myself trying to be a, a good leader or a good manager and it's something that's never really felt natural to me. You know, I think, like I was saying, some people I think are natural leaders. They're born to just kind of forge ahead and take control. And, and for me, I, you know, I had some difficulties in trying to, when I first was trying to manage, you know, or manage a staff. And it was a weird situation for me because I was promoted from being like a coworker to manager, you know, so it was like a weird, it was a weird dynamic and I learned a lot. So I'm interested in talking to you about this and, you know, Uh, What I got from your book, you know, you weave in a lot of stories and lessons from your life and your book was inspired by, I guess it was it your grandfather or your great grandfather, Vincenzo? Yes, my grandfather, Vincent Famularo Vincenzo, and he changed it later to Vincenzo. (laughs) I like that. Well, he was a U.S. Navy sailor and he served in both the First and Second World Wars. And you kind of weave in this nautical theme throughout the book. So it made me a little curious about him. Can you tell me a little bit about Vincenzo and some of the things he might have taught you? Yeah, I mean, he was a, uh, a a great leader for the family and and for the country. Again, serving in both World War One and World War Two, and uh, he immigrated from Italy when he was uh, 13 years old. My my family, his family uh, in Italy, had a shipping business, and uh, they had three ships. They had a big storm that came, and all three ships sunk. So they didn't know what to do. They were thinking inwardly about you know how to how to take the next step. And uh, Vincent always told us, my grandfather, the story about them deciding to send him over to America. Um, He was 13 years old because and he was such a strong leader with $30 in his pocket. And he came over here where his cousin was. And uh, great stories he gave us about the journey and then, uh, you know, investigating the whole area in Brooklyn, then going back and bringing his family over. And just all of the stories of him just then, you know, becoming... uh, you know, involved in America and being patriotic and, and serving in World War One and World World War Two and starting a business, uh, it really inspired me and all of my uh, cousins and family members to to be a leader. 
And, and when you talk about leadership, you know, we think about it as, as being a position. And, that, and that's the whole catch in the book, that it's not a position. We're all leaders. We all need to be leaders. Uh, you know, it's not a person in charge of people. It's not a head of a company. It's about leading ourselves, uh, you know, the our most important asset, being leaders of ourselves first and leading with others and then leading others if you're in that position. Well, I think it's interesting to hear those kind of stories, and I'm always curious about people's life history and history of their relatives. And, you know, when you hear those stories of people coming over at such a young age and making these incredible voyages over, you know, big stretches, I mean, I would, I couldn't imagine what that was like. You know, I would just uh, be terrified at such a young age to make those kind of trips and then being dropped in a strange place where you don't know the language and, and how they really did that, you know, the strength and fortitude that those right. people had. It's it's really amazing. Um, and I'm sure he taught you a lot about, you know, sticking to it and, and having integrity and, and moving forward and, and all of those things. Yeah, so that, that it's, was it's the really key. Interesting. Always doing the right thing and, and having integrity. Uh, you know, that was really the thing he always said is, you know, be true to yourself uh, first and then you'll receive the great gifts of life. And that's how he would always put it. Well, you say in the book, just right off the bat, that life is a voyage, but who is sailing the ship? You know, often we let ourselves give up the wheel or we just put it on auto autopilots and not pay attention and just kind of float along. What do you think is the biggest mistake or one of the biggest mistakes that people make? Is it just kind of, you know, not paying attention and just sailing along and letting things happen to you rather than reacting? Yeah. And, you know, and that's the key. It, it's to the living by design and not by default. And, and many of us, and we all do it, we go through this automatic, uh, you know, lifestyle where we, you know, we may go to work, we come home, we have dinner, we watch TV, and then it just starts all over the next day. And we get into these routines where we're really living by default on autopilot. And, you know, th that's really the key is to live by design. You know, what, what is your life vision, what is your goals, you know, get excited on, on what you want to achieve and tap into that greatness that we all have. It's, it's within us all. And it's this uh, idea of just trying to find out who we are inwardly first. And that's the I in IOU, inward living, um, and then move into the outward world. And in the book, there's uh, on page 26, there's these questions. Um, and do you follow, do, do any of these describe you? So do you dread the day ahead? Um, your daily routine is predictable. You think, uh, do you think things without thinking, do you do things without thinking? You can't seem to put your phone down. You stay deep in thought about things others do than what the task at hand. You have difficulty remembering things. And these are all signs that you may be living on autopilot. So the book, provides a foundational framework for positive and effective intentional living uh, to, to receive the great gifts of life. So um, that idea of living on autopilot is something we want to be aware of. Is that something that we're doing? Is it just basically this uh, you know, mediocre life or are we pressing towards the upward life gifts of, of peacefulness, happiness, healthiness, and excellence, which we all desire? And all things are available to us, all of those things. And I think it's sad when people just kind of sail along and just float through life. I mean, I, I know a couple of people that unfortunately kind of fall into that category where they're comfortable with the routine and they don't yeah. think beyond that. You know, they just are happy with like punching in and out and, and that's it. But clearly your book is not for those kind of people. Like this is really for people who are wanting to accept and and welcome in all of those gifts that that are there for us i mean we really don't have to settle for just th this is it you know right. and, and this is the way life is going to be it really it really can be a lot better and i wanted you to go over a little bit the three principles that make up the iou life leadership philosophy and you mentioned um you know inward living there's inward living outward living and upward living, and that's really the I O U, right? Right, and it's the letters I O and U. And typically, when you hear I O U, you think of owing someone something. Well, in I O U life leadership and I O U living, it's it's owing yourself and others to be a life leader. So I stands for inward, O outward, and U upward. 
So it's an inside out approach to, to life living and leading. It always starts inwardly. That's your thinking. That's who you are, your inward being. It's when you know, you're alone by yourself, which we are most of the day. And then outward living is the next uh, life living is when you're interacting with others and the world. So there's two modes. And, and basically you can think about during your day, all of us live in one of those two modes, inward living and outward living. And then based on those two modes, there's a byproduct. What's the byproduct that's coming in? Um, it could be upward living, and that's what we hope that we feel this upward living, which we define as receiving some peace, happiness, healthiness, or excellence? Or is it just this you know, downward living where it's basically uh, a negative feel, where it's not peace, it's anxiety, where it's not happiness, it's unhappiness, where it's not healthiness, it's unhealthiness, or it's not effective, it's ineffective. So based on your inward and outward living, your I and O, what is your byproduct? And, uh, and that's what the book provides, some intentional tools to try to move towards that upward living. And you mentioned the autopilot, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. If, if you're happy and, you know, you're living in that middle ground, it's not upward, it's not downward. We, we talk about that. We call that wayward living, where it's, it's not peace, it's not anxiety, it's just apathy. It's not happiness, it's not unhappiness, it's just indifference. It's not healthiness, it's unhealthiness, you're just unfit. And it's not excellence or ineffectiveness, it's just mediocre. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you want to try to push it up to the upper levels and, and, and get you know, as much you can out of life, um, we try to provide intentional tools that'll help you to live in that positive and effective way to receive more upward living. So IOU Life Leadership is about being a life leader uh, and living in a positive and effective manner. And you say that we're living in the life leadership age, a world where we must all be leaders. And like I was saying in the beginning, you know, some people are, are really natural at doing that and others it's kind of a struggle to, to stand up or maybe speak their truth or be in that leadership position. I mean, aren't some people better chiefs and some people better Indians, you know, better support? How can we kind of... I guess yeah. accept our our strengths, you know, and yeah, weaknesses and again, in that. Again, absolutely, and and it's it, again, it's not about leading others. I mean, we need to lead ourselves first. I, I as a superintendent in a school district, and we're called a leadership district, um, where we teach every student to be leaders of themselves. And we were actually recognized from Franklin Covey. Uh, that's you know uh, Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, their education sure. as a lighthouse district. We're actually um, the first in New York State to receive that designation and the second in the country. Uh, and we teach leadership principles to every student about how to be, uh, you know, a leader of themselves. And for example, it's not about leading others. So one idea when we talk about leading ourselves is being proactive. It's, it's understanding that we all carry our own weather, that just because it's raining outside like it is here in Long Island today, doesn't mean we have to be sad inside. So we teach kids that you have control over how you want to react to that weather. Don't let the weather affect us or other people affect us. We have control within us. Um, and also, you know, setting goals and, and what's your what's your goals and vision, um, being a better listener. These are all leadership uh, principles and being a leader. So, um, you know, there's a is leadership age is really a broad age. Um, it's really what all our students need to be in this in the next economy. Uh, World Economic Forum, which is the largest uh, organization that looks at businesses and what what do employees need to have. And it used to be more of the, <clears throat> excuse me, academics, <clears throat> but now they talk about being cooperative learners, learning how to communicate. So that you know, they talk about leadership skills as opposed to the academics, which a lot of that you can find, um, you know, searching the internet. So, in the leadership age, we need to find out what are leadership principles. What, you know, how do we how do we become better leaders of ourselves? Just being a leader uh, of your home, being a parent, or you know, a partner. Um, how do you lead your home? How do you lead your children? And then the children, how do they lead themselves? How do they lead their 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 room? How do they lead their toys? How do they lead their uh, homework uh, uh, skills to be a leader of themselves? So it's a great tool. It's exciting. Again, our kids do it from pre-kindergarten all the way through sixth grade. We have an elementary district. And, it, and it's so exciting when you see the kids take over what adults typically do. 
we have the children doing the announcements in the morning. So they see that leadership principle. Um, you know, in the old days when we went to school, it was jobs, right? You had a classroom job, or we call them leadership roles. So you have someone that passes out the paper. That's a leadership role. And we want to instill in these, these children that <clears throat> you need to be a leader of yourself first and find out and understand those leadership principles. And then you'll be more apt to be able to work with other leaders and those leaders that want to take charge, like we talked about before, will have the skills to do that. It is so important to start that young and to instill those kind of ideas because you're right, like growing up, that wasn't taught. You know, those things generally weren't taught in school. I mean, there, I do remember there, you know, someone did the announcements or you know, maybe some some person would would help the teacher clean things up at the end of class or erasers and you know things like that. But you weren't really taught how to effectively, you know, communicate to get get your needs met in, in certain ways. You know, ways not to fight or, or interact or lose your temper and that that kind of thing. So, I, I like what you're saying in the book and the tools that you're giving people to be effective leaders of themselves not necessarily, you know, having to be like the head of a, a company right. or division or, or something like that. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's, it's interesting that the things that you have to learn through life that you're not taught in school and how important they are. And it's great that you're able to offer this in the book. So I wanted to talk a little bit too about uh, a big part of the program are the 12 essential life anchors. And, and how did you come up with these certain points like to, to break it down in this way, and then we can talk about some of them. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, there, there are principles in, in, in life, right? There's a principle of gravity that we know when you drop something, it's going to fall. They're always correct. They're timeless. There's uh, the principle of the farm, and I love this one, right? You can't rush farming. You plant the seed, you need to nurture it, you need to weed. It's going to happen, um, and we have no impact on it. So there are these natural principles out there that um, are evident all around us, that are timeless, universal in all societies. And then there are principles about you know, life living, uh, principles that we all need to uh, understand. Um, so the 12 essential life anchors are Six inward principles to help us with our inward living. That's when we're thinking. It could be on meditation. It could be on who you are, what your life vision, what your goals. And then there are six principles that we develop for your outward living. And that's about relationships and interacting with others. Again, we're in two modes at any point in the day, your inward and outward living. And, and I didn't invent these principles. I just frame them in a way, and these are, these are evident in, in many different uh, literature. I've, you know, this is based on many years of research and, and discussing it with thought leaders. Um, but what I did was, was frame them and organize them, organize them in a very simple way to easily remember using the IOU acronym and also how do you implement them in life. So, you know, we have a step-by-step -step, uh, process um, for each of these principles, you know, which, you know, you can get even free if you don't get the book at IOUliving.com. And we go through each principle, the six inward principles and the six outward principles to help help you basically become a, a better life leader to to get the most out of life. There is some great information on the website, so I hope people check that out. And that's IOUliving.com. Is that yeah, the right? letter I, the letter O, the letter U. Uh, right. <laughs> Some people might type I, O, U, which actually will get you there too, but um, it was a lot of fun putting together. Well, looking these over, the inward living anchors, I, th I thought some of these were really interesting. Like the inward living anchors take you or ask you to take a look at your values and beliefs, and you call these our life maps, and that we need to examine them frequently for accuracy. And I thought that was really interesting because as you go through life and your and life experiences, I mean, some of these things can shift and change. So maybe something you believed previously is is not working in your in your world reality right now, and you have to let let that go. I thought maybe you could give an an example. Have have you experienced something like that where you had? Oh you know, something that you, you know, had believed in and then all of a sudden, well, you know, this, I have to make an adjustment here. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the whole point, right? That when we talk about principles, which are, uh, you know, always evident, we have what I call life maps that we think and we, you know, believe um, it's our opinions about things. It's our point of views. And, you know, can they always be accurate? 
Of course they're not, right? They, they're going to be, you know, there'll be some inaccuracy. So it's about continuously improving them um, <clears throat> and thinking about them and trying to get closer to the principles. So, um, you know, sometimes we have these shifts. And, here, you know, here's an example uh, when I was just pulling into a, a parking spot, right? And here I was pulling into this one place. This was a couple years ago. And this car pulled in front of me and cut me off and went right into the spot. So obviously, you know, what's the information I have here? This person is rude. How can they cut me off? I was clearly had the right of way. And then the person got out of the car and came over to my car. It was a male. And he says, I'm sorry. My wife's the shopping mall is, is working and she's in labor. And I'm so I just need to get in. And I was like, go. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. And if he didn't come to me, right, um, I would have still thought the person was rude and in my opinion on, on that situation. But getting more information, more data, it shifted my my life map on how I view the situation and viewed him. Um, and, and, and that's that's the whole point, that sometimes we don't have all the information and to continually analyze it and understand it to make sure our life maps are accurate. Just like, you know, you have maps on in your computer in our cars. They get updated each day, actually, um, because roads change. So what about our life maps, our opinions about things in life, our, our opinions about how children should be raised with your partner or our opinions, you know, uh, about, uh, you know, cars in general, whatever it is, we have opinions and points of view. And sometimes we hold on to them for our entire life and we'll never change them. Um, but if we think about them and we have a tool actually in the book called the life map cycle that really helps to do this. If we look at it in a different way and not just jump to conclusions and try to go through the process, we may confirm our opinion and say, you know what, I'm right on. I, you know, what I had before is great. Or we may just modify it slightly, or we might say, you know what, I think it's off and I'm going to change it. And how great that is. You know, when I, when I have those situations and I say, you know what, I, I think my opinion was off a little bit. I'm going to change it now at, you know, being older in my life at this point. That's what we want to do is continuously improving. And when you do that, you feel like you're living by design. And that's the whole point here. You're not living by default. You feel like you're receiving some more of that upward living, the you and IOU. And that upward living is peacefulness. I feel more at peace. I feel happier. Um, I feel like I improve my excellence. Um, so that life map cycle, which you evaluate the situation, think about it, formulate, you know, either confirm your opinion or change it and then act on it helps us dramatically. So um, we have these life maps and there we got to just understand that we need it's a lifelong process. It doesn't mean they're not good at where we are. They're, they're fine, but we need to continuously improve it. Things change around us and, you know, we need to think about them. And, and if we need to make an adjustments, we have a tool to do that. Right. That is so valuable. And I've, I've noticed just that's one thing a lot of people have a hard time with is change, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. or admitting that something can be done a little bit differently or a little better. And I mean, I've noticed just, you know, over the past year with all that we've been dealing with, you know, it's better to wait a minute, evaluate a situation before you fire off that email, you know, or something like that, that's going to cause this domino effect of yeah. unpleasantness sometimes <laughs> and to just take a minute think about it you know maybe reread something count to 10 you know i've had to do that and it's been an adjustment just over uh making a shift of working from home you know and, yeah. and doing that i mean you know luckily for me like i was i was already kind of through that trauma before there was the lockdown of covid so i was personally i was a little more used to being in that situation, but everyone else was thrown into, you know, making adjustments and having to communicate differently and yeah. things like that. So yeah, in the book, we have what's called <laughs> the inward mirror test, which is exactly what you're saying is before you act, right, you inwardly think about something, take the inward mirror test, imagine yourself looking in the mirror and say, should I press send? Should I should I act on what I'm what I'm thinking? And, and it's just that you just need a second between your inward thinking and your outward action. So we say between your inward thinking, right? I have an idea and my outward actions, there's a space. And when that space runs out, you act. So what we need to do is try to increase that space. So we have more time to think, make sure it's exactly what we, what we want to do, what we really feel. Is it 
based on our, our intentions. Because a lot of times we have good intentions, but we act out differently. Um, so does our intentions match our inward thinking and what, how we really wanted to uh, act a certain situation? So, you know, we say take the inward mirror test before you act out on those situations like you just discussed. Right. It's uh, it'll make such a huge difference. We're going to take a break in about two minutes, but I did want to talk a little bit if we had time to squeeze this in before the break, because I thought it was interesting. You mentioned three types of goals and they were stretch goals, comfort goals and delusional goals. I kind of figured out what the delusional goal was, <laughs> but I'm curious what were stretch goals and comfort goals? Yeah. You know, obviously setting goals is, is very important. Actually, that's one of the inward life anchors. It's it's life goals based on the principle of life aspiration. Like, what, what do you want in life? Um, so when you're setting goals, there's a whole section on, on helping you set goals. A lot of times we set goals that are just so easy that, you know, we accomplish them. And does it really take you to another level? Does it take you to that next level that you're trying to receive? So we want stretch goals with just above your comfort level that takes you to a, a higher level i'm um, not too far off and that's what we call delusional goals if you go too far off then you never reach the goals and we set goals and we know that happens all the time and then we just stop and we say you know i can't do it and we give up so stretch goals and there's tools again in the book to help you to develop those goals that are just above your actual level your skills let's say um, to get you to that next level and then once you're at that next higher level you set another stretch goal and you move to another level. So um, stretch goals is something that, uh, you know, we could talk a little bit more later, but, um, you know, that really helps you to, to really get to that next level. Well, let's take a, a short break here and then we'll we'll come back and chat a little more about this and dig in some more to the book here. I owe you life leadership with Dr. Joe Famularo. And thanks for joining me. We'll be right back. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back after the break. I'm talking with Dr. Joe Famularo about his book, I OU Life Leadership. And Dr. Joe is an educational leader for over 30 years. He's been a teacher and a superintendent of schools. He's seen it all and has put a lot of these uh, concepts, you know, into practice with some really great results. So I just wanted to finish a little bit um, what we were talking about before the break about goals. And you were saying stretch goals were things that, okay, you can, obviously what you're reaching out to get, right? You know, something that, that you really want, that you're right. setting a goal for that's not that's not completely out of reach. So a comfort goal would be um, something that's uh, easy, easily obtainable. What would be right. the definition that, of that? that? I mean, it's it just, you know, it's it's setting a goal that you probably already achieved. Sometimes it, it's it's so easy to, to achieve, but the stretch goal is just the right amount of difficulty. It's just the right amount of challenge that's achievable. You know, and, and that's what a good teacher does, too, is they teach just above the student's actual level. If you if you it's like teaching what students already know. Well, well, they have the answers. That's not really going to help them grow. You want to just stretch them just above what they already know and make connections. And that's when we set goals. We want to set that just above our, our own skill level. If you set them too hard, you get frustrated and then you won't achieve the goal, just as if you teach a student. A, a concept that's above their level, they get turned off and they get frustrated. So the master teacher knows just the amount um, that teach just above. They actually stretch the student. And in the book, we talk about stretch goals. Again, just above so you can grab it. It's, it's, it's a little bit of work you have to do because you want to do some work and you're able to get it. We, we have this tool that in the book that's called Rebel Goals. So it actually, it's a, it's a format to help you to, to uh, achieve a goal. And again, using the nautical theme, the book has captain's wheels and anchors and, you know, all of the nautical uh, 
uh, pieces of equipment that you know uses visuals to help you with the book. So the book has 114 illustrations. Um, so it has a lot of visuals to help one. I mean, as an educator, I know visuals help. But a rebel goal is basically you start with the R, which is the rudder. So you begin with the end in mind. When you're setting a goal, what do I want to achieve? What's the destination? So you set your rudder and you write down what your goal is. Then the R, the next is the engine, the E, and that's the engine. What's going to drive you to push you to achieve your goal? And then the next level is the B, the buoys. So when you're navigating in, in, a, in a bay, you reach buoys, markers to help you to get you to your destination. Well, the buoys are your checkpoints. So you need to write down what are your checkpoints that you know that you're moving towards your goal. And then the E, you need to spend time to evaluate. Is my goal working? If not, I need to adjust it or change it. A lot of times we just say, oh, I can't change it. I'm going to stay with it. And we don't make adjustments when we set a goal. And then the last is L, R-E-B-E-L, which is a lifeline. That really is your accountability partner. When you're setting a goal, the best thing, if you find somebody that you can trust um, and work with to help you to get those goals. So those really help you. That's really a, you know, a basic foundation. Again, you can get that at the website or in the book. But it's this idea of setting your goal, beginning with the end in mind, um, and then setting those benchmarks to help you that you know you're on track for the goal. So that helps you to get that stretch goal. It's not too difficult, not too easy, the just right goal. And that sounds like it would be the lifeline to bring you back from the delusional goal. <laughs> exactly. Where you're, are you out? Right. You're like, you know, Your spinning out in the say, deep water hey, there. You know, you know, it, it's like I want to, you know, saying I want to be the CEO of a company and you don't even have the skills for it. Well, it doesn't mean you can't go for it, but you need to. It just tells you that there are many more steps before you could be the CEO to get there. Right. So those are type of delusional goals that are just not reachable at the moment. Set the stretch goal, you know, get the skill base and then keep building on it and you'll see the success. Right, right. And just reel it back in, you know, and yeah. it's so easy to wander into the de delusion part, you know, which can be fun. I mean, I was just talking to uh, someone recently, uh, actually, it was my brother, he has this whole big idea of how he wants to write a book. And yeah, it's going to be picked up for an HBO series and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, you haven't even written anything first, you know, you, you don't really understand where you're kind of veering into so he was already off into the delusion where the the idea of writing a book actually could be obtainable i mean right. you know you you did it right but i mean you, yeah. you weren't already thinking of the hbo miniseries and i think but that's, that's okay as long lost. as you, you know it's not the goal that that's okay that's right <laughs> right but i need to do all these other stretch goals before i can get to that goal right so it's don't you can't start yes. with the hbo <laughs> Yeah, that's he was already at the, at that point. So I was trying to reel him back in. Now you did um, you mentioned an interesting point that I wanted to dig into a little bit about trust. Um, and you say in the book, trust is an important point in the outward living goals. And you say that a dynamic positive culture must breed trust. And I think trust really is important. I mean, even in in business, of course, in life, in in your relationships, you know, with your family and with other people. And I just wanted you to elaborate a little a little bit on that because you don't often hear trust, you know, that being brought up, especially in a business sense. But I think you really do need to have trust in that oh, kind of environment. Absolutely. You need it for you not only for yourself, you need it for your family, your team or an organization. So trust is the foundational uh, outward anchor for all of the outward anchors. So there's a, that's 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 your base. And w without trust, you know, everything goes slow. Um, without trust, there's no progress. When you have high trust in an organization or a family, things move very quickly because you're not questioning everything the other person is saying. Uh, you're not you you understand that th there's this relationship that you have alignment in in, in how you view things. Um, so you know we we call this IOU trust, and we define it by when two people or two uh, you know groups inspire each other, influence each other, and have alignment of principles. You know, think about that. So the people that you trust in, in your life, do you inspire each other? And that's with the heart. Inspiration is, you, you know, you have this connection and that, you know, you motivate each other from the heart. Influence is from the mind that you feel that you both are working on improving yourselves. You have great conversations 
And then the last is alignment of principles, that you have alignment on uh, on life principles of, of what a family should be, on what relationship should be. If you don't have alignment on principles, you start questioning the trust, right? Um, so, so you need to have those three things. You have to, you know, you inspire each other, you influence each other, and you have alignment of principles. And, and those are the people that you have on your life ship, right? This has this nautical theme and, and this idea that you build your life ship and you have people on your life ship. And, and those are your closest people that you want to keep close on your inward life ship that you take on this, this journey in life. Um, and it's, you know, who's on your ship is a question. Are there people on your ship that are negative and might be, uh, you know, trying not to help you to, to reach your goals? So it's the idea of just who do I trust? Are they on my life ship? If they're not, get them off. You know, we, we have an analogy to have them walk the plank in your mind, of course, right. and, uh, <laughs> and put them on a dinghy. I was going to say be... that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say that. Walk the plank. Right, right. And, and it's a great analogy. So, um, you know, one of the things we do is, is to, to write down all the closest people in your in your life um, on, on that inward life ship, family members, friends. Right. Um, you know, there's even a spiritual part on that. And then are all those people um, helping you to achieve your vision and your life goals? And again, if they're not, you know, sometimes we have those people. We need to have them walk the plank. They go into a dinghy, a small ship, a little boat next to your ship, and you need to interact with them, and hopefully you can bring them back. You know, you build the relationship back. But, you know, we need to stop having those negative forces uh, in our lives and to try to stay in the positive. Yes. And one thing that we need to work on is positive communication. And I I was reading about that in the book here because I think communication is, is, is such a difficult thing for a lot of people. And when communication is lacking in, in management or at home, it, it causes big, big problems. I, I remember a problem I had with a, a manager at, at a position and, you know, we had to sit down and have this, you know, conversation of you're, you're not listening to me. I'm not listening to you. You know, what's, what's the problem here? I mean, there was just this huge lack of communication and you have some great tools and how to handle this a lot better in the book. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when you're dealing or when you have been dealing with students and, you know, other other people, communication is huge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they have to feel that you're empathically listening, right? First, understand what they're saying, then to be understood. If, if someone, you know, thinks that you're just there and you're just waiting for a moment so they can reply, you know, that's not communication, you know, even with family and relationships. So we say you, you strive for wholehearted listening where you're listening from your heart and you're truly trying to understand the other person's point of view. And then you'll have your turn. It's very hard. It's not easy, especially when there's high emotion. But that's what we, we should strive for is wholehearted listening. Then there's half-hearted listening, which is okay, but you're giving your interaction. Then there's reply listening, that you're just waiting for them to pause at a, you know, at a period or a comma so you can then just reply. You're not even really thinking of what they're saying. And then there's, there's no listening, basically. You're distracted. You're just you know, listening, thinking about something else. So that, when you, you know, we all know when somebody is empathically listening and there are techniques in the book that we have, you ask, you know, questions, you know, this is what I'm hearing. Am I correct? You know, um, and I do this with my children. I have three children, um, you know, I have two uh, teenagers at the moment. And, you know, when there's high emotion and you sit down with them and you say to them, okay, this is what I'm hearing is, is, is that, and, and you may, you're not agreeing or disagreeing. That's the whole key. And that's why as parents, sometimes we think we can't repeat it because we disagree first understand and say, okay, I got what you're saying. Now I'm going to give you my, my point of view. And, and it's, it's a, it changes the whole dynamic for the, for the listener that, you know, I really believe they got it now. That's what they think. And now they're giving their opinion. So that wholehearted listening is really very important. And when you have that in a, in a business, in a family, you'll see the trust increases and then, you know, you know, the relationships just improve. Right. I see a lot of people use that technique where you come back with what I'm hearing you say is, you know, and, and ask yes. for their, <laughs> their yes or their no is this what you really said and then you know respond to that or just taking a minute to really understand 
the the give and take there but yeah yeah it's it's so important and there's there's so many great ways that we can handle this a lot better um now i wanted to ask you too um there's a great model that you share in the book a mindset of improving our peacefulness happiness healthiness and excellence and what what did you call that the phe or the ph2e so peacefulness for p (laughs) happiness healthiness is h2 and e so it's ph2e um it's it's an easy thing you know once you you start rolling it off your tongue ph2e we all want more ph2e and those are the four areas the great gifts of life we call that upper living those are the life gifts we all want more peacefulness we all want more happiness and and peace and happy are different right obviously peace is calmness um, you know, it is, it, it's, it, it's quiet. There's no conflict. Happiness is when you're, you know, there's excitement and, and we're motivated for something. Healthiness, obviously, you know, is, is our, is when thinking about our body. Are we getting nutrition? Are we getting sleep? Are we getting, um, you know, proper exercise? And then excellence is the mind. So PH2E is what we, we strive for. And we have an assessment at the website. It's at ph2e.com. And it's a self-assessment, and, and thousands of people have taken it, where you go on, you answer questions, it's very brief, and then you get a personalized uh, results on all of these four areas and to see what area that may be out of, out of whack that you need to improve on. And we call it a life propeller. Think of a propeller that pushes a boat and it has four blades. Well, your life PH2E propeller has four blades, each propeller representing peacefulness, one happiness, one healthiness, and one excellence. If one is off a little bit, it's not going to be balanced. And just as an unbalanced propeller can't push a boat, it vibrates, the boat would break down, we'll break down. So that's what pushes us through life. Our PH2E pushes us through life, through all the challenges that we have. And is there one area that we're really neglecting? And if we are, then we need to do something about it. The book will help you with that, with strategies, but it's a self-assessment that gets you aware of your pH2E, first balance it, and then enlarge it. Um, so it's a lot of fun, but it's something that we really need to be aware of. That's the great gifts of life is, is your pH2E. Well, I'm going to take that quiz. I didn't see that on the website. I'm going to have to go back and, <laughs> yeah. and do that because I love to take those assessment quizzes and, and see where I'm at because I, I could probably tell you right now what's what's tipping over into the inadequate, you know, category <laughs> where I need, where I need to work on that, you know, definitely sitting hours in front of the computer and, and working all the time, working too sure. much, you know, there's things are imbalanced and, and you really need to give yourself time to do nothing. I was just reading an article recently about Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein and all these other great idea makers and thinkers actually spent a lot of time doing nothing or they had set time that they could do nothing, you know, think. Yeah. And we we don't give ourselves that. And I know that's something that I'm definitely lacking. And you shared a great, a great quote in the book that I wanted to repeat here about peace uh, from Dr. Wayne Dyer. Peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is rather than as you think it should be. And I, I love that quote because it, it's so true. You know, we're always thinking of where we should be, where we should be going. You know, we're pursuing happiness. We're always in the pursuit rather than being where we are. And that's something that I always try to work on. And I was just curious, how do you practice bringing yourself into the present moment or accepting life as it is? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's inward living. It, it's it's knowing where you are at at this very moment. Um, you know, that's it's so important. And, and I, I love uh, taking nature walks and just just breathing in the nature and, you know, thinking and, and trying to stay in the moment. Um, but you're absolutely right. Many times, you know, when you're inward thinking, and again, inward thinking is when you're by yourself, just thinking, are you always thinking about the future? Where I need to do this. I need to plan. You're always living in the future. And that's one thing that many people do. And then some just live in the past where it's always, I can't believe that happened. And you're living in the past and you're missing living in the moment. Now it's important to think about the past and you need to think about the future, but the idea is, again, balance. You know, are, are we taking those 
opportunities to live inwardly in the present moment and to, to you know to enjoy life around us. Um, so that inward living is so important, and we have a hundred percent control of our inward living. You know that's that's who we are. That that's our we use the term self culture. It's 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 who we are as a person. When someone walks up to us. It's the culture that you project, right? Um, so that's what we call your self-culture. And, and you know, can, can you answer these following questions easy? Who, you know, and this is in the book. Who are you? What do you do? What makes you unique? Why should others care? How would you describe yourself? What do you stand for? How do you describe your ideal you? How do you want to be perceived? What are you passionate about? And many times we don't spend the time to actually answer those type of questions. And our most important asset is us. It's you. And we we spend more time uh, thinking about our possessions than our most important possessions, which is ourselves. Um, so it's that taking that inward thinking, you know, living in that moment, um, whatever your uh, you know practice that you have, meditating, uh, mindfulness. There's so many techniques, and and we do share those in the book too. Um, it's all under this umbrella of your inward living, and that's who you are. Um, before you move out to the outward living, and then that's when you're interacting with others in your relationships. Right, and it's really important to spend some time and ask yourself those questions and, and really sit with it and really be honest with yourself. And I think the more people do that, they'll be able to really discover their talents and gifts, and the, those kind of things will rise to the surface. Like I, I know someone who is just one of those people I mentioned that's kind of coasting along and, you know, not really doing their passion, just kind of having one of those punch in and out job situations. But I know she's not really happy, but her, her answer to that when I challenge her is that, well, I don't, I don't have any skills. You know, I don't, I'm not good at anything. And I think if she really spent more time asking herself those kind of questions, you know, then you'd be able to, to see and recognize some of your talents. Yeah, I mean, oh, what absolutely. are some ways to, you know, to lo look at ourselves like that or to look at our talents and cultivate them? Like it may not be something obvious as, oh, you're a great writer. You're a great painter. You know, it doesn't have to be that kind of thing. It could be you're very organized. You know, you have a great I've, eye for things, things like right. that. Yeah. And that's the life vision uh, that, you know, we use the model of life vision is it's th three circles, your purpose, your potential and your passion. So, you know, there are questions that asked you. Um, you know, what's your purpose? Um, why, you know, what's your existence? What gives, uh, what gives life meaning? Um, and then what's your potential? And that's your unique skills. And you, and you just list them, your skills, talents, and strengths. And then your passion, what's, what excites you? And I love this question. If I had a free day to do whatever I wanted to do, what would you do? And when you answer that question, you just answered your passion, right? If you had, you had a free day and you said you have nothing else to do, um, you know, what, what would you do? So when you put those three together, your purpose, your potential, and your passion, then you start to get a direction for what my life vision is. And, uh, you know, that's something we need to take time out again, thinking really to, to try to discover. Right, right. That's so true. So I have to ask you this, you know, as we're going through life, uh, like the ship, we're going to change course over time, you know, and you may be chugging along doing something and then it just is not working out or it's not working out anymore. And I, I want to avoid the F word of failure, but I guess I'll throw it out there. You know, things are going to fail mm -hmm. at times in our lives. And so what would be your advice to, you know, fail up? Like how can we learn from our mistakes rather than let ourselves be totally derailed off course from an inevitable, you know, failure or something that doesn't work right. out the way we think it will. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about failure in the book. We don't, we, we call it productive struggles, right? It's part of life and it's not, it's not a failure. That's what life is. It's, it's, it's finding out other ways of doing it. So I would say, it's, you know, it's finding out what do you have a hundred percent control of living within your control and trying to understand what you have control over versus the things you don't have control. And a lot of times we spend time thinking about talking about things we don't have control over. And, and then you, you're missing out the opportunities of all the things you have control over. You have 100% control of your inward living, and you have 100% control of your outward actions to others. But we have zero control, 0% of when things come to us from the outward world, right? Um, 
So all we have is how we react to those things. So it's, it's understanding what you have control over versus what you don't and understanding that, you know, failures, productive struggles will happen every day. They have happened to every great leader. They've happened to everyone in life and just understanding that they will happen tomorrow again. And that's part of life. But what do I have control over? Not what happened, my reaction to those things that happened. Um, you know, it's spending the time thinking about it. And uh, Einstein has a quote that he said, if you had an hour to solve a problem, he'd spend 55 minutes thinking of the problem and five minutes solving it. So, you know, it's, it's about the thinking about it. It's understanding it before you actually act, um, thinking inwardly about who you are and how you can react to these negative things that are happening around us. What do I have control over? And, and trying to stay away with the things we don't have control over. Right. And I'm sure a lot of people that maybe lost their jobs over the past year due to COVID or, or something like that, you know, some people will take that personally and blame themselves or what did I do to cause this? You know, other people, it'll be easier for them to, to process those kinds of things. But uh, I hate when people will always take the, the personal route that, oh, the, you know, this was all my fault. And you're right, like kind of differentiating between what you have control over and, and what you don't have control over and being able to move forward. And uh, I like that. <laughs> I like that euphemism for failure. That's great. Productive struggles. You know, it, it does sound so it does sound so much better than, you know, well, this this failed and right. things are not always going to go our way. And you're right. That's just kind of the the human experience, the life experience. It's just how we're able to react to that that, that makes a difference. And, and one thing I wanted to mention, too, that I think is important um, in, in organizations or even even in families, a lot of times I think that we're missing saying, you know, thank you or being grateful or showing appreciation and gratitude. I especially see it lacking in the corporate world. And I always try to make it a, a point to to thank people that I'm working with, you know, like, thank you, Jeff, for helping me to run the show today. I couldn't do it right. without you, you know, those kinds of things. And I just wonder what you think about that. Why is it lacking so much in the corporate world? Is it just people... Um, you know, the, those individuals that, that don't want, does it show weakness to say thank you? Or I don't, yeah, I don't understand I, I think, that sometimes. Yeah, I think what, those, those are low trust environments, right? Um, if somehow they think if you're giving praise to someone that it's, it's giving, it's taking away from you that maybe someone else will hear that and then you'll lose. It's, it's really that men mentality that, um, you know, there's a finite amount of, of, uh, uh, of greatness in a particular organization or, um, so yes, gratitude when you have high trust environment and, you know, you're not afraid to, to share that, you know, someone did a great job. Again, that, that's those high trust environments in our school district. That's something that, that like you just said, we, you know, you try to constantly, you know, give that, uh, positive feedback, um, you know, whenever there is an opportunity, especially for children, so they can hear what they've done. Uh, that's in a positive way. It's it's giving them a feeling of uh, trust and and gratitude. And there's so much to be grateful for. You know, when we have to think about it. Yeah, there's so much that are that are out there that's negative, especially with this past year. Um, so many difficult situations um, that we had to deal with with families and and uh, and staff. Um, but you know, when you have high trust and you're living outwardly and and there together, um, you know you appreciate that and, and you, they understand that you're there for them and, and you show that gratitude and it just raises everybody's uh, spirits to the highest level. Well, I'm definitely grateful that you came on the show today. See what, that was an awesome segue <laughs> right to the end of the show. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, being my guest today and, and sharing your book, Dr. Joe Femularo. IOU Life Leadership and go to the website and what is that again? IOUliving.com? IOU, yes, living.com or take the assessment at ph2e.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.